0: Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Good morning. How are you today? Okay. Okay, let's go for better than okay by the time we get there. What time do you want me to stop? Five minutes ago? basically. Okay. So, you should have been here this morning at nine. Then you would have got the full, full message. But what I want to talk about briefly this morning is the way in which we take to this our questions. Yeah? We look for the statements, especially if you're a new believer. There are lots of new believers here. Uh, In the last month or two, you've given your life to Jesus And people have told you the Bible is the place to look. And maybe they even gave you a Bible to start looking. And so you've gone with your questions. You've gone, well, now that I'm a Christian, am I allowed to do this? As I'm a Christian, I'm allowed to do that. Well, let me tell you something. If you're a new Christian or whether you're an old Christian, everybody does it. They bring their questions to the Bible. But do you know something I've realised in recent months particularly is that we need to allow the Bible to question us. And briefly, all the way through the Old and the New Testament, God asks questions of people. And uh, I hope you're better than the first lot because I asked this question, what's the first question that's asked in the Bible? And you can't answer if you were in the first session. Anybody want to have a go at it? You were in the other one, weren't you? No. Oh, no, you weren't. You see, where are you? Actually, you're wrong. You fell into the same trap. What's the first question in the Bible? Did God really say that? Bad question. In fact, the worst question ever. And who asked that question? Satan. It reveals exactly what he's like. Did God really say that? Who did he say it to? Oh, well done. You did better than them. They said it was Adam. No, it was Eve. And Eve has been wondering about that question ever since. Did God really tell her that? Did he really say, I couldn't have that handbag? And then there was a second question, which you've already got. God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? You see, that question was to Adam, but it's to you right this morning. And hopefully you will answer it. Where are you? But it reveals, just like the first question reveals Satan, it also reveals God's heart because God's heart is always to be pursuing you. Loads of questions by God, but I want to focus in on Jesus because Jesus asks some amazing questions and he's going to ask our good question. Um, You know, in the Bible, whenever somebody is introduced for the first time as a, as a character, what they say is often very important to the writer of the Bible. Okay, Now, Jesus is introduced obviously four times because there's four Gospels, each of them looking at different aspects of the life of him. And two of them, the, uh, the book of Luke... Am I right, Luke, or is it Matthew? You'll have to find that out, won't you? Anyway, he introduces Jesus as a little boy, and the little boy goes missing, and he ends up at the temple, and the the parents go completely berserk uh, because they've 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 basically forgotten where their child is and gone off on a long journey. So they hunt him down and they go, We've all been there as parents. What are you doing to me? And Jesus simply says, where did you expect me to be? I wonder, where do you expect Jesus to be? And the other question (coughs) is, uh, if we look in John, in fact, can we stick that one up on on the screen up here? Yeah, let's read it together. So it says, The next day John was there again with his two disciples. John is John the Baptist. He's the cousin of Jesus. He's got his own disciples. Uh, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples of John heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? One particular passage that he led me to that showed me that actually uh, I need to stand up like a man and be questioned by God. There's a little bit in the book of Job that says, okay, you think you've got the answers, or you've got a lot of questions for me. Let me just stand you upright and ask some questions of you. And questions are like that little gritty bit that gets into an oyster, a bit of sand. You know what happens? That little alien intrusion, that irritation, that question, it gets covered with the very substance of the creature until eventually that is turned into something beautiful within that creature. And that's what the questions of Jesus do. They change us into something beautiful. We become a pearl that is beyond price. Now, so we get to the passage. Ooh, okay, next slide, please. Okay, so the passage is in Mark 8. Uh, It's not all up there, so you should have brought your Bible if you've got one. But I'm going to read it to you and highlight those questions. Let those questions, you answer them, okay, in your brain. Okay, during those days, another large crowd gathered since they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him. I I have a burden, a compassion, a yearning, uh, a, a gut sorrow for these people they have already been with me three days fasting okay that's what they've been doing and they have nothing to eat if I send them home hungry they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance his disciples answered listen to their question But where in this remote place of Dunstable can anyone get enough, a good cup of coffee? No, sorry. Uh, Where can I get enough bread to feed this lot? And then Jesus' answer with a question. How many loaves do you have? Forget Tesco's. Forget Coffee Republic, or there are other coffee places out there. What do you have? What forget Comchurch? Forget their discipleship program and, and all the amazing stuff. What have you got in your life? See how these questions start to kind of niggle? Anyway, and it goes on, and what happens? 4,000 people are fed. Let me just get something interesting for you who are Bible scholars. Um, Those 4,000, that miracle is only mentioned in two of the Gospels, and some say it's the forgotten one because everybody mentions the 5,000. And some people who'd like to explain away the Bible and the miracles say, actually, it's the same thing, but they got misquoted or something. Actually, They were two very different groups of people and probably the 5,000 were actually Jews and the 4,000 were the Gentiles that chased Jesus down when he was trying to escape all the the Jews that were hunting him. He went over to a side of the lake where the majority of those were Greek-speaking and that they were actually Hellenistic. They weren't necessarily Jewish So what you have here is two miracles and two different things. And then there's this little bit, because they feed the crowd, 4,000 people, seven baskets, seven hampers, which you could fit a person into, are filled with the leftovers. Blow me if the disciples forgot to take a bean they had one loaf of bread between 12 of them and there's this little incident they get to the other side which is a bit more kosher and where good religious people can hang out including the Pharisees and so it carries on the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him they asked him for a sign from heaven a heavenly sign like bread from heaven He sighed deeply. Somebody helpfully gave me this morning what that meant. It means face face palm. Okay? And he says this. He says, why? This is the question for you. Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. No sign will be given to it. And in the other other gospel it mentions, apart from the sign of Jonah. And then he left them, got back into his boat, went back on the lake. So that's the background. And uh, he's obviously thinking about it, because he comes on to this little passage and this series of questions. The disciples had forgotten to bring the bread, except for one loaf. One loaf, 13 hungry guys, not going to be good. They, be careful, says Jesus. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Well, they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread that is calling us out. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about no bread Do you still not see or understand? Oh, it's up there. Excellent. And he says, Do you... uh, Sorry. Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes? Who has eyes here? I see you. Okay. And you cannot see. Uh, And who of you has eyes? Oh, good, you heard me. Excellent. Okay, so you have ears, but why do you fail to hear? And let's get to it. And don't you remember? And the disciples are like, eyes, ears, yeast, um, no. So he says, okay, large amount of people, smaller amount of bread, how many leftovers? Oh, we know this one, 12. There was one each. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 leaders, 12. Okay? Okay. So, small amount of people, large amount of resources. How much was left over? Oh, we know this one. Seven. Hampers. Full. The fullness. Seven means fullness. And Jesus says this, do you still not understand? Well, do you? I don't. I had to study this. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? Okay. Give me a next slide. It's all about a a warning. Now, does anybody remember Danger Will Robinson? Does anybody remember Danger? There was one? You do. Okay. Forbidden Planet, Space Family Robinson's. There was this ro- robot. And whenever there was danger, he had this supernatural ability to warn the family and go, Danger Will Robinson, Danger. Jesus is saying, Watch out, watch out. You can be contaminated. And you're going to be contaminated by the yeast. What do you mean by yeast? It means the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. It means the teaching of the Pharisees. It means the play-acting of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or Herod, kind of the same thing really. And as I was explained, I'm making a lot of steamed milk at work, and I come home and I have this aroma of steamed milk. It's lovely. Okay, But I need to get rid of that clothing and I need to clean myself because I am contaminated. Jesus is worried. He's got in the boat. He's been thinking about these Pharisees who he had to just leave. He didn't want his disciples tainted. Um, next one. Loads of words. There's three things though. One is the Pharisees. What was the Pharisees about? Religious traditionalism. It was about control of people by telling you how you can and cannot worship. It was about how who is in and who is out. What's the right way to do something? Should you start with a Graham Kendrick song? Should you start with a Bethel song? Should you have a pause of silence? Religious traditionalism, it's not just in churches that have an organ and have to have a five song. No? And that's what the Pharisees were about. They were in, you were out, they were the ones on the platform, they were in white. They tithed even their spices. And yet Jesus called them play actors who are white on the outside and are graves on the inside. And they wanted a sign from Jesus. Jesus. The other ones, the Sadducees, where they were political puppets. They were in religion, but they were basically in religion that had no supernatural. They said you can believe in God, but we don't believe in the power of God. He will not change a society. What we have to do is we have to play along with everybody else, with the political, and then we will have power. There is no power from God. There is no resurrection. That's what they would say. They would say you can you can ha- you can live in Britain and be a Christian, but you cannot. You can go in a corner on a Sunday and do your thing as long as you adhere to certain objectives about childcare and everything else, and Sunday schools need to be watched. But dare you take your Christianity into the coffee shop? Don't you dare say that you worship a God who is Creator. Don't you dare say to anyone, actually that lifestyle is not right before God. You can declare yourself to be anything. You could be a pink elephant called Wanda if you like. But how dare you say that you have the truth, let alone the way, and who are you to have life? The yeast of the Sadducees, of skepticism about all that is actually powerful from God and a total sell out to political correctness will seep into any Christian and into any church if we do not shower. (laughs) We may pick it up but we don't have to keep it and put it on a pedestal and make it a part of our church doctrine. Sorry, I got way off. That's not where you wanted me to go at all. Um, Okay, so the last one and this is you and me. They were hard of heart, but it wasn't that they were hardened because they got no belief. They just had a little faith and they didn't use it. And they, they had this amazing miracle one day, but they were still worried about what they didn't have the next. Yeah, they had no bread. <laughs> this is my family, is this your family? God has said you will do this, but we got no money. You're going to Uganda, but we've got no money. That's the disciples. They'd fed 9,000 men. Oh, just in the, in, in the Gospels, it's men plus women and children. Once the church starts in Pentecost, read the book of Acts. It's always everyone, men, women, children, because Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone, including little Keziah, yeah? When she's old enough to speak, she'll believe in miracles better than most of you. Sorry. Um, But what are we like? I can't see God in my situation. Well, can you hear him? Well, I've been reading my Bible, but I can't hear him. Fine. Do you remember what he did? Do you remember that he healed you? Do you remember that you do not take any medication at all anymore, Scott? Do you remember? Start there. And this is where I was supposed to focus. How many of you have seen the film Jaws? It's a bit of a violent film. Okay, it's fine. You're allowed to see violent films, I'm sure. In the film, this giant shark terrorises everybody. A man called Roy Schneider, or whatever his character is, he decides he's going to go out there and kill this fish. And so he goes out in his little boat, and uh, all the time you see this fin going around. Yeah. Anyway, eventually, along comes little fin, and then suddenly the shark comes out of the water and takes half the boat out. And his, the main character turns, the other guy goes... We're gonna need a bigger boat. That was not Irish. That wasn't even an attempt at Irish. I'm sorry. Okay. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Every commitment you will make in your life, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, you make a commitment to someone to love them for the rest of your life. You make a commitment on stage, you will bring up that child in the way she should go. You make that commitment to a, a job when another job comes along, which you quite like the look of, but you're not sure, every commitment you make will be tested. Somebody said to me this week, he said, it's like I've suddenly discovered it's not real until I speak it out. I said, well, that's interesting, but when you speak it out, it will be tested, which is why as preachers and teachers, we have to be so careful (laughs) because testing times come everything we build will face a storm. Everything. And we don't know whether that's a windy day in Kent or whether that's hurricane and tornado. We don't know. But it will be tested. And so we have to build our life on this one thing. Who, not what, not how much bread... But who is in our boat? Who is in your boat? Uh, Slide. Slide. The best question. A little bit further on in the passage, we can't read it all now. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, don't tell me what he says what Jesus is. Don't tell me what he says who Jesus is. Don't even tell me what this says who Jesus is. Tell me who you say Jesus is. And is he enough? Is Jesus enough when you're starving? Is Jesus enough when you don't know where to go? When your job is rubbish? Is Jesus big enough to deal with cancer? Is Jesus... Big enough to deal with depression? Is Jesus big enough for the vision that he's placed on your heart? Is Jesus big enough for Dunstable? Because if he's not, you've got the wrong Jesus. And you need a bigger Jesus. You need a bigger Jesus. Actually, let's just say you're never going to get the big Jesus. Keep looking to see how bigger he is. Because just when you think you've asked something of him, he will do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. You cannot measure him. So if you've got him measured, you are wrong. And this question is for you this morning, and that's the reason why you're here. I don't care if you're a new Christian, and you feel you know nothing, that's fine. Know Jesus. Jesus. No, he's in your boat. He's been in your boat since way before you thought about putting him in in there. The only reason you got into his boat was because he called you. You may not realise it if you're a seeker. You're here today because Jesus is seeking you. Where are you? Where are you? Actually, it's Adam. Okay, where are you, Adam? That's what Jesus is saying. I don't care if that's your first name, middle name, or the name of your first child. He's saying to you today, where are you? Because I am in your boat if you will have me. Not some fake Jesus, but who I really am. The one who loves you, saves you, Rescues you, provides for you, holds you, will keep you, will empower you, will enable you. Not I'm gonna give you so much power in your bank account now because one day you're gonna preach. No. Daily bread. The manna from heaven came every single day. You were not to go out and keep a little bit in the bank somewhere, so otherwise the maggots will get it. Daily bread. That's another word, it wasn't for this morning service, it's for this one. Daily bread. Only on one day do you collect two, and that's on a Saturday. Well, our Saturday. Because the Sabbath you rest, and there will be enough for Saturday and to give on Sunday. Daily bread. But who is Jesus? Who do you you say? Who do you say? Can I ask you to stand up, please? I'm 10 minutes under my time, but about 20 minutes over everybody else's time, which is fine. Father God, I want to thank you for the gift of Jesus. I want to thank you that right from the very word dot, your question was always, where are you? Where are you? It's not that you didn't know. You just wanted us to identify to our own hearts where we are. And so you're asking us this morning, where are you? Where are you? I Want you. I want you. I choose you. And then you're also asking us right now, who do you deep down say I am? And am I enough? Because if I'm not, you need to go deeper. You need to go further. You need to accept me for who I truly am. Creator of the world. Saviour. Of Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.